Here, uh, as you know, if you've been with us, we've uh, been in a series on the one another uh, commands uh, found in the Bible. And we're learning about how being in Christian community, and what I mean by that, a a part of a community of faith, a, a, a local gathering of Christians, how that actually helps to shape us, to to form us into the likeness of Jesus. And so far, we've looked at the commands to love one another, to encourage uh, one another, uh, to submit to one another. We took a a little break uh, last week to hear from David Trubeck, and then um, this morning we're going to be looking at the command to sing to one another, uh, which some of you go, yay, and some of you go, ugh, right? Or maybe after singing, you're thinking, this person next to me really needs a message on this because I just heard them sing, or I shouldn't have said that. Uh, So we're going to look in our Bibles this morning at what God has to say about uh, singing to one another. And as always, I'll have the verses up on the screen. You can follow along that way. A lot of people like to follow along uh, either in their Bible app or in a paper Bible, And if you would like to do that, but you don't have a paper Bible with you this morning, our ushers are coming down the aisle just now, and if you'll just signal them somehow, they'd be happy to put a Bible in your hands. And if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, please feel free to take this one uh, with you. Uh, Now, before we uh, open our Bibles together to look at this command, let's let's pray one more time. Uh, Lord, we ask this morning, as as we open our Bibles, that you would speak to us. I pray that you would open uh, our ears to hear what it is you're saying, Um, uh, help our minds to to understand what it is you're saying, Uh, and and mostly give us soft hearts to receive what you're saying to us this morning. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of of all of our hearts uh, would be pleasing to you as we do this. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you're uh, relatively new to church, you may have noticed uh, something a little different. And maybe it wasn't surprising because maybe you had heard about us before, but uh, people in church sing a lot, which is a little unusual compared to the the rest of our lives, right? We don't typically walk around singing like we're in some Bollywood movie or a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Um, We don't do that. Um, There was this horrible TV show in the 80s, called Cop Rock, where uh, the, the creator of Hill Street Blues got together um, with uh, a person who writes musicals, and they said, wouldn't it be great if we had a police drama that was a musical? It lasted 11 episodes. Um, you can Google it. It's, you know, there's that classic... Uh, uh, meeting of the police officers before they go out, you know, and the, and the sergeant at, at, at the end of his instructions starts singing, so be careful out there, and it's just really weird. It's a really weird show. Uh, we don't do that in normal life. We don't do that in normal life. But when we come to church, we sing. 
Uh, I grew up uh, in church. Some of my oldest uh, musical memories are the songs we sang in church. And I, I, I loved those songs. I didn't always know what they were about, but I loved those songs. I, I loved hearing my parents and my grandparents and all of their friends singing, right? Um, we sang this song uh, that I didn't understand uh, about laundry day. Maybe some of you uh, remember it. it. It's actually called bringing in the sheaves, like sheaves <laughs> of, of wheat. But I always heard it as bringing in the sheets. And, and I, I, for life of me, I couldn't figure that out. I had never heard my mom come rejoicing when it was time to bring in the sheets. Um, my best friend in high school, we, we talked about this. He grew up on a dairy. Um, and he said, that's funny. I always heard it as bringing in the cheese. So um, another favorite uh, was, was one that the adults um, all sang uh, very seriously. Uh, the kids, though, thought it was kind of funny. It's a song about taking up your cross and following Jesus. But uh, we kids heard it as a song about a bear named Gladly. Uh, who needed glasses to correct his strabismus condition. Uh, Gladly the cross-eyed bear. You can see the lyrics there. You get it? Okay. Another one was a song about God's comfort in discouraging times, but uh, we kids heard it as, as a song about God blowing people up. There's a, there's a bomb in, in Gilead. Um, Some of you are. Some of you will start laughing tomorrow at the. Oh, I get. I get it now. Uh, one more was a song about two friends walking together in the garden, right? Lyrics are: Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me, Andy tells me I am his own. Uh, we couldn't figure out who Andy was. Uh, my grandpa was Andy, but. He had, he had gone on to be with the Lord. So anyway, so why do we sing uh, in church? And to answer that question, we're going to look in our Bibles uh, to see what God has to say about this. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, that's uh, on page, I think, 951 of the Bibles that the ushers just handed out. Uh, so again, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Beginning at verse 15, we read, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, for you were called as members of one body to this peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and exhorting one another with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this is one of two places uh, that the New Testament gives some instructions to the church uh, about singing. And at first glance, it may not seem like much, but there's there's quite a bit here. So this is one of them. The other one is in Ephesians chapter 5, just a couple of pages back, 945 in those Bibles. Uh, Let's look at that one together. Uh, Paul says here, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, 
singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at these two uh, passages, I want us uh, to answer uh, three, I think, important questions uh, about this passage. Uh, Why do we sing? What are we supposed to sing? And how are we supposed to sing it? Okay. Again, these are, the, these are the two passages where in the New Testament we're told how to do this. So it's, it's good for us to look at uh, this morning. So first of all, why do we sing? Uh, there's several reasons I see in this, te- in this uh, text or these two uh, texts. Uh, the first is this. The reason we sing is because we're commanded by God to do it. Um, Both Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.19 emphatically tell us to sing. Uh, If you add to this what we find in the Old Testament, there are uh, about a hundred times in the Old Testament where where we're commanded to sing to the Lord or praise the Lord with music. Um, The people of God have always been a singing people. Uh, For some reason, and we're going to look at this, God felt it was really important that his people sing. Um, And and this isn't just for the musicians. This is for all of his people, okay? So this doesn't say if you're a musician or if you like to sing, then sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It doesn't say that. It's a a command to, to all of us. So the, the, the first answer to the question, why do we sing, is because God said so. A second reason we sing is because singing helps us to learn. And we know this, but let me, let me unpack this a little bit for you. Uh, the Colossians passage tells us that we teach and exhort one another by our singing. So uh, aside from the, the silly examples I gave at the, at the beginning of my message... Um, As a child, I learned most of what I knew about God, not from the sermons, not from my Sunday school class, but from the songs we sang. Uh, I I learned and memorized scripture from the songs we sang. Uh, A few weeks ago, we were in 1 John 4, 7, and 8. And I, I know, even if I've never memorized it, I know what that says. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. How many of you learned that verse by singing it, right? Uh, I learned of the, the books of the Bible in a song. Uh, many of you did too. I, I learned Bible stories about uh, a little boy named David and the giant named Goliath. I learned about a wee little man named Zacchaeus, right, by singing the story. But I also learned uh, theology from the songs we sang. Uh, When we sang, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, right? When we sang that, I, I learned that I was utterly lost I was separated from God by my sin. And then when we sang, What can wash away my sin? If you know it, answer. 
yeah. When we sang that, I learned that Jesus had paid the price for that sin when he died on the cross. And when we sang songs like, Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. See, those words don't appear like that in the Bible, but I began at a very young age to learn that there was this thing called the Trinity, the triune God. I learned theology from the songs we sang. So there's something that happens when we set words to music. It helps us to remember. It helps us to learn. It's, it's why we teach kids the ABCs in a song, right? Um, child development people know this, and so does God. So, so we sing in obedience to God. We sing because in doing so, we learn about God. We, we memorize his word, but we also sing because these words combined with music somehow engage our hearts in ways that, that simple prose or even poetry cannot. Um, I can say the words that we sang earlier. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. Right? Something different happens, though, when I sing those words. Something different will happen next weekend when some of our guys go down to men's roundup and with a thousand other men will lift their voices singing that together. And some of these big, burly guys will have tears rolling down their face. Why? Because singing engages our hearts in worship. Sing, singing also does this. It, 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 when we sing together, it engages our hearts with one another. Um, I, I can't explain it, I, but I've experienced it. And I think probably many of you have too. This is where we get into that one another part of singing. Um, that there's something that happens when we do this together that cannot happen when we're apart. It's, it simply cannot happen. A number of years ago, I was camping in Central Oregon, um, and I went to a little church on Sunday morning. Um, I didn't know anyone there. I, w- I was a complete stranger to them and, and, and they to me. Uh, and as a part of their worship time, uh, they sang Bill Gaither's song, Because He Lives. Now, I love that song. I've led that song... Uh, probably hundreds of times in in the years uh, that I was leading worship. But I don't especially like the verses. And I've never liked the second verse. It it just didn't seem to fit for me. Um, But on this particular Sunday, the, the pastor who was leading worship that day paused just before leading the second verse. And he pointed out a couple in the congregation, holding their new three-week-old baby. And then with, um, uh, he he, uh, reminded the congregation that they had been praying for this couple um, because they had tried and tried and tried 
to get pregnant. Uh, they had successfully gotten pregnant a couple of times and, and lost uh, those babies prematurely. But now here they sat in the middle of the congregation holding this new three-week-old baby and then with this whole congregation of people who have loved and, and prayed for them, we sang, How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he brings or gives. But sweeter still, the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days. Why? Because he lives. Wow. Something happened that morning. I didn't even like that part of the song. But all of a sudden, I was a part of a community of faith. Right? I was one of them. Our our hearts were sort of knit together in that moment. Uh, I've had similar experiences in other places around the world where we couldn't... uh, we couldn't communicate. We didn't speak the same language. But when we sang about Jesus together, boom, something happened. We, we had this instant heart connection. Okay, one more reason why we sing. I'm sure some of you have days where you just don't feel like it, right? You don't feel like singing. I have those days. I had those days as a worship leader where I go out to sit at the piano, and I didn't feel like it, right? Um, but I want you to understand something about our singing. It's, it's spiritual work that we're doing. Uh, in the Ephesians 5 command to sing, the passage begins with a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Paul describes what that looks like. People who are filled with God's Spirit sing. And and I want you to know this. When we gather together on Sunday mornings for worship uh, and and we hear revealed truth about who God is and what he has done, and then we respond by raising our voices in song, this is no longer a matter of whether or not I feel like it. See, this is not about me anymore. This is spiritual war. In the Old Testament, when Israel went into battle against evil empires, they sang. Uh, in the New Testament, when the advancement of the gospel uh, was, was being uh, jeopardized uh, because Paul and Silas were in prison, you remember what they did? They sang. They sang songs of praise. They sang hymns. And what happened? God brought an earthquake caused the, the, the doors of the jail to fall off. I want to say to you this morning, if you're, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling under attack of the enemy, you might try singing. And in doing so, you will make war on the indifference that's going on in your heart. Uh, singing is powerful. I want to encourage you to try it. So that's why we sing. What do we sing? Well, uh, God has, has told us here. Uh, uh, both of these passages give us the same direction as far as what we are to sing. Uh, we're supposed to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
So what are these? Let's take a moment on this. Psalms. This one's easy. Uh, Paul says we're supposed to be singing psalms. Uh, I think most people probably know that psalms are songs, right, in the Old Testament. Uh, We have the words for those songs uh, preserved in our Bibles. We don't have the music. I think there's a a good reason why we don't, but we don't. Uh, So how are we supposed to sing psalms if we don't have the music anymore? Well, thankfully, uh, a lot of them have been set to music um, since then. Uh, Isaac Watts is, is probably most famously known for this. Uh, his, his hymn, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, is actually Psalm 46. So when we sing that, we're singing a psalm. Uh, another of his uh, was, O God, Our Help in Ages Past. It's from Psalm 90. Uh, a more contemporary one that we've sang already this morning uh, says, The Splendor of a King clothed in majesty. We sang it just a few moments ago. It's from Psalm 104. There are are tons of settings of the 23rd Psalm. There are settings of Psalm 15 and 24 and 136 and 139, and the list goes on and on and on. There are a lot of Psalms that we sing today. And I think one of the reasons we're supposed to sing Psalms is When we do that, we are connecting with the people of God going back 3,000 years. You ever thought about that? So just like I was connected with the people of that little church in Central Oregon, we sort of become connected with the people of God going way, way back. So we're supposed to sing psalms. Uh, These texts tell us that we're supposed to sing hymns. And this one is, is one that gets people a little worked up sometimes. And that happens because there is so much, forgive me, but thoughtless opinion out there when it comes to hymns. And the best way I know to undo some of what created sort of worship wars in the church, um, kind of that battle between hymns and choruses, is, is to do just a little bit of teaching about it. So let me ask you, what is a hymn? Okay, that's, uh, that's a typical response. Uh, people don't tend to ask that question, what is a hymn? And I have to tell you, more than once, when I've asked that question, people have said, well, they're the songs in the hymnal. What is the earliest copyright you're aware of in, in most of our modern hymnals? You probably don't. That's not a fair question to ask you. I'm aware of ones that might be the 6th or 8th century. Is that what Paul was talking about? It can't be. It can't be. He said we're supposed to sing hymns, and those didn't exist, right? We have some examples of some hymns in Scripture Uh, Philippians 2 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago is is one of those, but there are others. Um, uh, Colossians 1 uh, in that uh, 15 through something is another one. They're they're throughout the New Testament. It can't be that he meant sing the songs that are in the hymnal. Um, Those are great songs. I love those songs, but those don't define what Paul is talking about. 
So please try to relearn that or stop saying that because there's a lot of things that are hymns. Let me, let me define it for you. Simply put, a hymn is a song that celebrates God. We're not talking about a musical style, okay? Though we might all agree that there is sort of a hymnic style uh, that has uh, come into Western music, but not other cultures necessarily. So it's not about a musical style that Paul's talking about. He's talking about songs that celebrate God. Doesn't matter when it was written. If it's a song that celebrates who God is and what he has done, it is a hymn. We've sung some newer hymns this morning. We've sung some older hymns this morning. We haven't sung any ancient hymns, and we haven't sung any first century hymns that Paul may have been talking about. But we've sung a lot of songs about who God is and what he has done. Those are hymns. So, I don't have time to unpack this whole thing of hymns and choruses and all of that. If it's something you're really interested in, come and see me. Uh, I, I actually enjoy talking about it. I think I'm fairly knowledgeable on it, and we can have a good discussion. So we're supposed to sing psalms, we're supposed to sing hymns, and we're supposed to sing spiritual songs, Paul says. We're not sure what, what uh, spiritual songs means. It might mean uh, more spontaneous songs uh, that are lifted up to God. Uh, some think it might be more of a personal testimony kind of a song. Um, some think that, that Paul is saying here, sing psalms, hymns, and, and, and all kinds of songs about God. Um, it could be that. But the point is that I'm trying to make the song, the, the Bible gives us some latitude on the style of songs. It even commands us to sing new songs to the Lord. So we don't get hung up on a musical style. Uh, what seems important to Paul, though, and to God, is the content of those songs. And these texts even give us some instruction on that. Uh, The songs that we sing should be about who God is and what he has done. The Psalms, uh, the the model for us in the Psalms is a focus on who God is and what he has done. Uh, Hymns, by definition, are songs sung to God for who he is and what he has done. Um, But one one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit, because we're supposed to sing these spiritual songs or maybe even songs in the Spirit. Um, What is the role of the Holy Spirit? One of the primary roles is is to exalt Christ. And we see that, I think, in this Colossians text. Um, Because this, this passage contains three imperatives that all center around Christ. Uh, It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. And uh, everything we do is to be done in the name of Christ. So our singing together, because that's the context of of all of this, our singing together is to be centered on Christ. It's not primarily about me. It's not about what I like. It's about him. Okay? So we've looked at why we sing. We've looked at what we're supposed to sing. And then I think these passages uh, help us understand how we are supposed to sing. Both of these texts this morning, uh, I think, are are in agreement and very clear on how we are to sing. 
The motivation for our singing is gratitude. Thankful hearts sing. Uh, In the Ephesians text, we read that we are to be speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Colossians passage, it's worded this way. Uh, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Uh, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with gratitude in your hearts to God. Uh, Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The songs we sing as the church are to be the overflow of grateful hearts as we are reminded of who God is and what he has done for us, especially in the Lord Jesus. Our hearts are to overflow with thanksgiving. And the songs we sing help uh, our hearts to express that thanksgiving to the Lord. Peter Peter O'Brien says this about thanksgiving. He says, it's almost a synonym for the Christian life. It is the response of gratitude to God's saving activity in creation and redemption. And thus, it is a recognition that he is the ultimate source of every blessing. Come thou fount of every blessing, right? We affirm these things in our songs. Brennan Manning describes it this way. When someone is aware of God's love for them, the same love that the Father has for Jesus, that person is just spontaneously grateful. Cries of thankfulness become the dominant characteristic of the interior life, and the byproduct of gratitude is joy. We're not joyful and then become grateful. We're grateful, and that makes us joyful. Um, I think we're going to take the whole month of November to focus on gratitude and and thankfulness. Seems like a good month to do that. But in the context of today's passage, our uh, singing is to be grounded in this gratitude for who God is and what he's done, for who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Let me me try and summarize uh, all of this um, that we've seen this morning. First of all, we the church, the, the body of Christ, are commanded to sing to and with one another. It's not just a New Testament thing that the people of God have always been a singing people because singing helps us to learn about who God is and what he has done. Singing engages our hearts in worship as we respond to God for who he is and what he's done. Singing engages our hearts with one another as we remind each other, as we teach and exhort one another uh, to remember who God is and what he's done. And singing about who God is and what who God is and what he has done can be an act of spiritual warfare against Satan's attacks. That's the first thing. We're commanded to sing. Secondly, in the Bible, we see a lot of stylistic freedom and even encouragement to to sing different kinds of songs to the Lord and to one another. So if you're a young person here this morning who who doesn't really get the style of the old hymns that some of our older people love, I want to encourage you to embrace the truth 
that's found in those old hymns and embrace the brothers and sisters um, whose, whose hearts just come alive when we sing them. You've seen it a little bit this morning. Even if some of those songs you didn't know, you saw the response as soon as we started singing them. And if you're an older person here this morning who grew up singing out of the hymnal and, and, and you kind of struggle to follow along with these new hymns, uh, I want to encourage you to embrace the truth that we find in them. And by doing that, embrace the brothers and sisters and, and, and little kids even who resonate with those songs um, because they're out of, out of gratitude for, for what Jesus has done. They're responding to God. It might sound different than the way you grew up doing it, but they're responding to the same God. And then thirdly, uh, our corporate singing is, is to be out of gratitude to God for what Christ has done in our lives. And that's true not only when we are aware of it. You know, some days it's really easy for us to sing, you're a good, good father. It's just who you are, right? Other days, it's really hard to see that. Everything seems to be going wrong. Where are you, God? David said that so many times. Where are you? Why have you forgotten me? And it's in those times, like David, the end of those Psalms, almost always he came back around. Yet, I will praise you. And that's the kind of uh, warring against the, the indifference in our hearts when we don't see God's goodness. Remembering and singing about God's faithfulness can, can actually lift us out of those dark places of discouragement and despair that our hearts sometimes get into. This sometimes takes work. It's a discipline, but I think that's why it's coming to us as a command uh, in the New Testament. A command not only uh, for how we are to engage with God, but how we are to engage with one another. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for music. Uh, We thank you for the way that it helps us to express our worship back to you. Uh, I I thank you for the way that it um, unites us as we lift our voices as one in praise to the one who has saved us. I ask that you would receive our worship now in the, in the rest of this service as, as coming from grateful hearts. And, and may our worship even uh, uh, have the effect in this place today of, of scattering the enemies of the Lord and centering us on the one true God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.